Hello and welcome to the Swine Disease Reporting System. This is the report number 36. Uh, my name is Edson Magalhães here at Iowa State University. Hello, my name is Giovanni Trevisan here at Iowa State University. Hello, Daniel Linhares here also at Iowa State. So today we're going to cover uh, the report. We're going to cover the results from the, the month of January, the first month of 2021. And also in this edition, we're going to do a, like a retrospective from from what we learned and what are the what were the, the highlights from the month of, from the year of 2020. Uh, so starting on the first page, uh, Giovanni, what were the, the highlights from the month of January uh, related to purse? Well, during January of 2021, there was a moderate decrease in PERS virus detection when you compare it with December. And this decrease was mostly contributed by a substantial reduction in detection in wind-to-mark category. At a regional level, the detection of PERS virus was within the state-specific baseline forecasted expected detection for this time of the year. In the PERS virus comments from our advisory board, there were several reports of a clinical outbreaks in all age groups that was associated with PERS virus belonging to the RFLP144 strains or lineage 1C. And these outbreaks was particularly occurring in the Midwest region, most Minnesota and Iowa. The advisory group reminded us that cold weather and the environmental conditions may have favor the spread of this strain at a regional level. Additionally, limited herd immunity of this par- for these particular strains may have contributed to the magnitude of the outbreak in those affected herds. Yeah, that's really interesting, Giovanni. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Uh, and also, if you guys want to, to have more details on this detection of the RFLP-144, Giovanni and uh, other folks from the, from the Minnesota, they are going to participate in a webinar on February 4th that is being organized by, by Chic. So just go to the Chic webpage and you guys are going to find the, the link. Uh, so in terms of uh, uh, retrospective from 2020, Daniel, uh, what were the, the, the highlights from this year? What have we learned, and how have we we been dealing with PERS? Well, a lot of lot of great information, and specifically here for PERS, I I think it was important for us to continue to see that beyond uh, the cyclic pattern, right? We know that it's cyclic. In in other words, it goes up in a fall winter, it comes down in the in spring and summer. But then beyond that, I think it was pretty evident. Uh, the importance of when to finish age group uh, uh, in the ecology of of, uh, of maintaining pers virus dissemination in in the industry, as the detection in when to finish it's not only higher than that, that observed in the south farms, but it's it also a lot of times precede precedes the detection spikes in the in, in uh, detection growth finish precedes spikes in detection in south farms. So another. Uh, highlighting the importance of uh, when to finish ecology here on on PERS virus. Mm-hmm. What else, Giovanni, uh, in terms of, of PERS detection? Well, just a, a reminder that detection, it's very important to have the number of cases that they are tested for this agent. But we have incorporated an algorithm to monitor this detection over time. And we call that the cyclical regression model. And if you go... Recall 2020, we saw increased detection of PERS virus occurring above the 
5% confidence interval uh-huh. at the end of October and beginning of December. And that was mostly contributed by increased detection coming from winter market animals in the Midwest region. So after uh, this time of detection, we uh, run this information to the advisory council and with the feedbacks, and now we can at least see that some of this increased detection was related to this emerging of a new strain that is the RFLP144 lineage 1C. And mm-hmm. by the way, when we talk about uh, PERS virus strain, we saw during 2020 a switch in between uh, the most frequent detected RFLPs. Like the 144, the 252, 174 are the most frequent detected, but the 184 is the one that was leading uh, the number of detections for 2020. And at the end of the year, we were able to incorporate all the RF5 sequence from the University of Minnesota Veterinary Diagnostic Laboratory in the project. Mm-hmm. So by now, we have more than 67,000 sequence in our database, and that goes back for the year of 2006. So we expect to develop more uh, epidemiological tools with this sequence during 2021. Yeah, great. Great information, Giovanni. Thanks. So moving on to the next page, which is the enteric coronavirus uh, PCR detection page, which covers the detection for, for TGE, uh, pe- uh, porcine epidemic diarrhea, and delta coronavirus. Uh, what were the highlights, Giovanni, for the, the month of January 2021? Well, for January, we saw that PD has a similar to detect, uh, detection as December of 2020, and this is in the lower boundaries of the forecast expected detection for this time of the year. Uh, we saw one positive case for TGE, and this case was identified as being collected in the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. On the other side, for Delta coronavirus, we saw a moderate increase in detection, and this was mostly contributed by detection in adult self-farm age category. When we look at the regional level, the increased detection of Delta coronavirus was above state-specific baselines for Oklahoma and Kansas. Mm-hmm. And our advisory group pointed out that this increase in detection of Delta coronavirus is most likely to be related with the resource and regional con- regional connections that may be facilitating the age spread across farms. One ar- additional reminder that we got from the advisory council is that Delta coronavirus is not clinical relevant as PD, so it is possible that Delta coronavirus has increased infection with subclinical uh, farms that are not the te- uh, tested across different regions for this agent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for the information, Giovanni. So, in terms of like a retrospective from 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 the last year, uh, if we look at PED uh, now, we're gonna see that since 2013, for this period, January, December, this year, the detections in the low is the the lowest. Uh, uh, rate since 2013, so it means that uh, the industry is kind of making a progress. So if we have a few production systems that are tackling eradication problems, they are being they are being successful. So this could be a good example. Uh, so what will be uh, Daniel the the highlights in terms of uh, all the, the well, what we learned during the year last year? 
For I think that for those for sanitary coronaviruses in general terms, the detection uh, rate for PD it's it always it has consistently be higher than that observed for Delta coronavirus, and uh, of course the TGE among those three coronaviruses is the is the lowest uh, the, in terms of uh, positivity rate, right, Giovanni? Yeah, that's correct. And one curiosity about TGE, we went for 157 days where we did test 40,000 submissions and 47,000 PCR was run for TGE with no positive results. And now mm. in January, we got a positive case for TGE and that is an example of an agent that is a natural candidate for being uh, eliminated from the U.S. swine herds. Additionally, the PD is going for the lower uh, levels of detection, historical from 2013. So this is maybe one potential candidate to be included in this list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. So moving on to the next page, which is the page that covers PCR detection of mycoplasma. Uh, what are the, the highlights, Giovanni, for the, this month? Well, as expected, the overall detection of mycoplasma hemoni is falling a for, uh, forecasted model with decreased detection for this time of the year. And in de- January, specifically, was observed this moderate decrease in mycoplasma hemoni detection. Okay. Giovanni, uh, Daniel, sorry, what have we learned uh, with with mycoplasma during the last year, uh, what are the the, ma- the key messages that you can you can tell us? I think if we look back the reports as well as the comments from the advisory group, uh, it, I think it's pretty obvious that the industry, the swine industry, is still learning how to mm-hmm. how to survey or monitor survey or mycoplasma, right, and how to acclimate yields and manage mycoplasma infections uh, under field conditions. So. Um, uh, uh, we, we saw a, a lot of diagnostics and 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 with with those uh, uh, PCRs that were done, it's clear also that the season, the mycoplasma season, starts ahead of uh, PERS and, mm-hmm. and PD. Right? It also follows a cyclic pattern, goes goes up and down uh, every year, but it starts a bit before uh, PERS and and PD. Thank you. So moving on to the next page, which is the page that covers diagnostic code. We, diagnostic code, basically, there are codes assigned by diagnostician to each case submitted to the VDL. So Giovanni has built a, a models to, to aggregate that information, specifically from the Iowa State University VDL. Uh, Giovanni, what were the highlights for this month's report? During January, PERS continues to lead the respiratory cases, followed by influenza, rotavirus, followed by E. coli leads the digestive diagnosis, and streptococcus leads the neurological diagnosis. When we do monitor these uh, agents that are diagnosed at ASU-VDL, we did not find any that was above the expected by the monitor models. Mm-hmm. Daniel, in terms of a uh, big message that we learned of the, with diagnostic code, what are the, your thoughts on it? Well, I, I really like this page because in this page, as Giovanni said, with those algorithms, right, it offers the opportunity to detect what's what's um, what's on the rise, 
right, for uh, endemic, for emerging, for re-emerging diseases. We every month uh, we pick up a one-off kind of spike, right? And one example was the coccidiosis uh, spike that was associated with uh, changing availability uh, availability of some treatments, right? And that spiked some uh, great discussions uh, by the industry. And uh, but in general terms, we, con- we observe that PERS continues to lead the respiratory uh, page, right? Streptococcus is the the the, the CNS, and the rotaviruses with the uh, E. coli, the the enteric ones, and that's considering the the cases with some diagnosis. We always have those not specified, right, Giovanni? Yeah, and that, that's a great point, Daniel. We have these not specified that comes month over month in this report. And the question that we receive most time, why are those not specified? Mm-hmm. And those not specified cases doesn't mean that an agent was not detected. What that means is that we are talking about disease diagnosis. And when the diagnostician did not have enough evidence, and that goes by the sample type, the uh, the case history, the testing, and microscopic, microscopic lesion, the diagnostician assigned as not specified for that case. So you as a, a listener and a person who submits samples for the video can help the diagnostician to provide you better information back to you. And that goes to the point as do a, a appropriate collection of the sample, choose the right animals and submit the samples in a, a refrigerated or formal type. It depends of the, the testing that you are going to be done and providing a good clinical history about these animals for diagnostics. So diagnosticians can have enough information to at least choose the right testing or have enough information to connect the dots in this testing result with the clinical history and provide a good feedback for the video clients. Good point. Yeah, good point, Giovanni. So uh, that was it for in terms of the page that we have to cover. Now, the additional highlights for the, the what we have we learned of 2020 with the SDRS report and what happened in, in the industry. would like to pick you, uh, your brain on that, Daniel, Giovanni, of what, what will be the, the general uh, message that you can, you, can, you can tell us. In my, in my opinion, one message that I, I can really that I really like with, with this project is the, the surveillance or the capability, or the preparedness capability that this project helps. Uh, we, we are detecting, of course, PCR detection for, for these pathogens that we have mentioned. But if we look at, for example, if we could have this, this project back in 2013 and we were monitoring, for example, TGE, we would pick in that case, in that time, uh, an increase in, in, in cases of testing for TGE and they come in as, as negative. So this is another is one evidence that something's happening. People are testing more, but it's nev- negative, so it might be another pathogen. So it, it helps. It's another tool that supports the, the whole industry in terms of uh, preparedness for uh, endemic or re-emerging or emerging uh, pathogens. So starting with you, Daniel, what are your, your comments on, on that? And, uh, and uh, that's how possible, I think, Edison, because the swine disease reporting system is a true... A teamwork, right? A lot of uh, uh, people and institutions collaborating here, so we're pretty uh, happy with the collaborations we have ongoing here. The continuing support from Shikin and the continuing support from the 
the videos, right? The Iowa State, Minnesota, Kansas, and, and South Dakota really sharing their numbers and mm -hmm. opening their books, let's say, to help the industry understand uh, 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 disease and pathogen detection, right? And those that dynamic over time, age groups, so on and so forth. And of course, always happy with the context provided by the advisory group, right? We yeah. put those reports together, uh, detect, uh, identify some signals, identify some changes in patterns, and then what does it mean? That's mm -hmm. why we have the advisory group, and they come every month and say, we think it's this, we think that's subclinical, or that's increasing testing, or that's guilt acclimation, or no, we think it's something new, it's a, it's a new... Uh, we think it's a new strain, for example, PERS now talking about this uh, re-emergence of 144, for example, right? And so really appreciate the, the input by the advisory group to give context to those numbers in those pages every month. Right, that, that's a great point, Daniel. You mentioned that this is a collaborative project, and that's true. We have a partnership with the industry, the VDLs, and this project has this network component about collecting the data from the VDLs, aggregating and sharing in an anonymized format. And we are able to monitor here the macroepidemiological aspects of these agents and disease detection across, uh, over time, across different regions, across different age groups, specimens. And there is this ad additional educational component that we have been including in the SDRS. That is, if you go for the uh, our web page, you can find their dashboards where you can visualize pathogen detection, agent detection over time, over region, and play around with the data that is publicly available. And we do reserve the right to make it better over time. And if you look for 2021, we did improve the way to uh, develop the report and sharing a standard format. We moved everything to uh, our markdown script. And for who is not familiar with that is a standardized format to receive the data and compile the report at the end and thinking into a better educational component for the U.S. wine industry. We moved with the uh, tremendous help of Edson to a video and audio report that we have been sure. providing every month. And in 2020, we are creating this other component that is the bonus page of the report that is uh, open. Everybody can share their research, their thoughts on that page, so if you have something to share, just contact us, and we'll be glad to include that on the monthly reports. Great, great. So, data from multiple VDLs are really good amount of data, participation of the advisory board, uh, and we're putting that together. Uh, Giovanni, you, you have been doing that with, with, with perfection, and putting that together in the dashboards for visualization, providing the report, I think that's a a good way to provide this whole amount of data that was was there before, not being used, but now we are giving some some good thoughts and and at least not not uh, causation, but showing us the lead or some trends, important trend, trends that they help us the, the the swine industry to investigate and look at their their development. So I think that's it for today. Uh, this was the the report for the, the the month of January, and I see you guys next month. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.